0: Hello and welcome to the Guilt Grace Gratitude Podcast. This is one of your co-hosts, Peter Bell, and we are on Belgian Confession article number 13, part of our Catechism Saturday series. We'll talk about the doctrine of God's providence. Before we do this, make sure you've listened to this past Monday's episode three of season four, Reform Church 101, where Nick and I talked about the Belgian Confession. Again, this document we're devoting every Saturday for the next few months on one of the three forms of unity used in the Reformed Church. And then this past Thursday, we had Dr. Dustin Bench of Southern Baptist Theological Seminary to talk about his new crossway book, The Loveliest Place, an extended exposition of the loveliness of the church beyond and above all other place. So let's get started. Article 13, The Doctrine of God's Providence. We believe that this good God... After he created all things, did not abandon them to chance or fortune, but leads and governs them according to his holy will in such a way that nothing happens in this world without his orderly arrangements. Yet God is not the author of nor can he be charged with the sin that occurs for his power and goodness are so great and incomprehensible that he arranges and does his work very well and justly, even when the devils and wicked men act unjustly. We do not wish to inquire with undue curiosity into what he does that surpasses human understanding and is beyond our ability to comprehend. But in all humility and reverence, we adore the just judgments of God, which are hidden from us, being content to be Christ's disciples, so as to learn only what he shows us in his word without going beyond those limits. This doctrine gives us unspeakable comfort since it teaches us that nothing can happen to us by chance, but only by the arrangement of our gracious Heavenly Father. He watches over us with fatherly care, keeping all creatures under his control, so that not one of the hairs of our heads, for they are all numbered, nor even a little bird can fall to the ground without the will of our Father. In this thought we rest, knowing that he holds in check the devils, and all our enemies, who cannot hurt us without his permission and will. For that reason, we reject the damnable error of the Epicureans, who say that God involves himself in nothing and leaves everything to chance. So you to notice a couple of connections between Article 13 and Article 12, where Article 12 ended with the fall of angels, the good that God created the world, and the fall of angels from the same covenant of works that we presented, we've actually fallen from. But yet we know Christ has redeemed us by obeying the law on our behalf and giving us and pushing us, and placing us into the covenant of grace. And he says we believe that this good God, when he created all these things, and after he did, didn't abandon us a chance. They didn't just set the world, put everything in it, spun it, and left. He didn't just say, "Okay, good luck." Have fun. Do your best. Do what you can to do in order to make yourself happy. No. This is all his. Everything that happens is under his sovereign and divine care. Which is why Debray talks about, well, if that's the case, if God rules all things, God is, is sovereignly, providentially caring and overseeing And moving everything towards his his eternal purpose, how is he not the author of sin? In which this is a perennial question that Christians have had to answer. Not not even Christians, non Christians have had to answer for years, for for millennia, for centuries. How can a good God allow sin? How does his world allow all this sin? Are, Are people good people? By, by nature? Aren't people, aren't people going to do good? Well, then you have, to, you have to reckon with the evil. You have to reckon with people doing evil. People are generally good, and you have to look at nature. You have to look at environment. You have to look at their upbringing. Their upbringing is what they made them bad. No, people aren't bad in themselves. Their upbringing has made them bad. But then you don't realize that upbringing is other people. So if people are generally good, then that argument falls on its head. And so he talks about this. If, if God is providentially over all things, if God is, is sovereignly administering and guiding and pushing all things to his end, to his telos, to the end that he has set for humankind, why does he allow evil? Well, what, why does he allow the things that, that are here? And without really giving us an answer, he, he gives us assurance. He, he tells us... <clears throat> He tells us that God's providence, instead of actually giving us more questions, it it gives us unspeakable comfort. Did you hear that? It it gives us this comfort to know that this evil is, is not by chance. That this evil is not something that just happens haphazardly, that has no purpose. That's not driving towards something. That's not under the sovereign control of our almighty God. It gives us unspeakable comfort that nothing can happen to us by chance, but only by the arrangement of our gracious heavenly father, the same one who watches over us with fatherly care. So this, the spiritual battle we talked about in article 12, that's under the sovereign ordination, the sovereign providential care of our father. Our father rules And runs everything, keeping all creatures under his control, so that not one of the hairs of our heads, and they're all numbered, nor even a little bird can fall to the ground without the will of the Father. And we rest in this. In this thought, we rest. Though a battle is raging, though we sin, though it seems like the world may be careening out of control, we rest. We know that he holds us in check. The devil's and all of our enemies. They cannot hurt us without his permission. Well, again, reminds you a little bit of Job. Job 1 and 2. The devil walks up to God, doesn't actually offer God. God offers the devil, the Satan, the adversary, to test Job, and God wins. Job doesn't win. Job recognizes that God wins. God is sovereign. So we reject it, that God involves himself in nothing leaves everything to chance. If that's the case, then we might as well live this life how we want to. But everything is under God's sovereign control. Every spiritual battle, every physical battle, everything is under God's control. And he ends, like we said, with we rest. Though everything is in flux and out of control, the Christian you listening to this right now, we rest. So I hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode of Belgian Confession, Article 13, we talked about the doctrine of God's providence. Make sure you tune in next Monday, Episode 4 of Season 4, The Reformed Church 101, so the basis of the Reformed Church. Nick and I talked about the canons of Dort. That might sound familiar. It's where the five points of Calvinism come from. So TULIP, although it's kind of a, a jumbled and more easily uh understandable and memorizable way of what actually occurred at the Kansas Dort. And we dive deeper into the last of the three forms of unity of the Reformed Church. The next Thursday for a book club, we welcome back Amy Bird to talk about her new Zonervan book, The Sexual Reformation in line with her previous book, Recovering from Biblical Manhood and Womanhood. So we're going to talk about what does the Song of Solomon show us about Christ's love for his church And the love between man and woman. It sure looks like a garden scene throughout Song of Songs. It looks a little bit like Adam and Eve. We talk about the typology in the garden, how that points us to Christ's love for his church, and also man's love for woman and woman's love for man. So I hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode, and we'll see you next week. Bye.